Hello and welcome. You're listening to the You Do Woo podcast, and I'm your host, Allison Cullen. I'm a mom with a background in business and counseling, but I've always been tapped into the more woo-woo side of everyday life. I'm here to take you on an exploration of your spirituality, give you helpful life hacks, help you on this evolution through motherhood, and give you a weekly dose of useful woo. If you need your cup filled, your mind expanded, and you want to increase your manifestation abilities at the same time, you've come to the right place. Let's get started. Welcome back, everyone. I'm really pumped about this week's podcast episode. Some of you guys might have seen in December and going into January a little bit, I held my first five-spot mastermind, which is only five people. And we actually had a smaller group this first time. Um, It was four of us in there. And Today, I'm bringing you one of those women, Miss Beth Rose. She has been part of this mastermind in that we sort of had the theme of starting your podcast in 2024. So I brought women in who were planning on starting a podcast in 2024. And Beth is the first one of the group to launch her podcast. And I'm going to be putting it in the show notes, the link to it. So make sure you go and subscribe and give it a listen. There, I think, are three episodes out by now. And I very, very highly recommend these if you are a mom, a wife, a woman who has any amount of resentment and bitterness about anything that's gone on in your life or is currently going on in your life, Beth is your person to help you release that so that you can be more joyful on an everyday basis and be healthy and all of that kind of stuff. Beth, welcome to You Do Woo. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited for everybody to hear from you. Um, If you have not yet dove into Beth's podcast and are in her world and all that kind of stuff, make sure you do. She, in her first two episodes, she does give a little bit of her backstory and what got her doing this work of releasing resentment and dissolving her codependency issues and building boundaries and all of that kind of stuff. And I love your podcast because the episodes are short and sweet and you can just listen to it while you're doing a load of laundry. It's not like a two hour podcast. It's I mean, I think the last one was like 18 minutes long. So I love that. Um, Tell us, so everybody can go and listen to that, but what made you get into this area of coaching women on releasing resentment? When did you know that that was your path? Um, So this is actually really strange. When we moved to Austin, that's when I um, figured out what a boundary was and I started practicing and learning a little bit more about self-compassion. But then I had this really weird nudge to just start um, in a multi-level marketing company. Like I, nobody was recruiting me. Nobody was asking. I was like, I think I should be selling oils. And I have never used um, essential oils like ever. So I started, I like started that journey and my upline sent me, um, you are a badass. Mm -hmm. And that was like my step into the whole spiritual journey. Mm -hmm. And from there, I, that didn't last long. I was terrible at selling, (laughs) but I I, like leapt me into helping people and coaching and wanting to help 
people that I could see were just as angry as I was release it and be able to live a happier, more peaceful life. I love that. I love that so much. Just so everybody knows that is listening, human design wise, Beth is a two, four sacral generator. So we have a lot in common and we were actually voxing about this yesterday because she was talking about, you were talking about human design types and which one is most prone to maybe resentment and bitterness. And we can, we'll talk about this on your podcast in a deeper way, but um, it's interesting because I'm trying to figure out what the difference is between resentment and bitterness. And I'm going to tell my side just from human design coach lens. And then I'd love to hear what you think too. I do think that probably projectors feel a bitterness way more intensely. That's their not self theme for you and I generators. The not self theme is frustration and feeling like you're stuck and not moving forward more. So every human can feel bitterness and resentment. I almost feel like bitterness is different from resentment a little. They're they're made of cut from the same cloth, but like bitterness is almost a little bit more personal. Like somebody being like, well, they didn't choose me and they didn't see me for what I am and my, you know, gifts and traits and all of that kind of stuff, which is why it's such a projector not self theme, you know, like it's, um, projectors are very, it's like very personal and they have a very penetrating aura and everything's sort of like about them and being seen and all of that. And when somebody doesn't get that vibe from a projector or invite them or whatever, then it can be a very bitter feeling. And when they're sort of putting them themselves out there and and not waiting for the invitation as much. It's like a little bit more of a personal vibe. Whereas I think all of the other types, the resentment, not that it's not personal, but it's not always about like being seen. If that makes sense. It's like, you hurt me, you wronged me. This wasn't fair, but not, not like being seen. What are, what's your take on that of the difference between bitterness and resentment? Yeah. So I've always identified with resentment more than bitterness, but if I really look at it, I could probably, I probably had some bitter moments as well. <laughs> but resentment, I feel like develops when there's um, like an unfairness in a dynamic or when there's a, a perceived unfairness, like I'm giving all this and you're not doing anything, or I don't think you're doing anything, or I'm trying really hard and they're not you, you hear that all the time, right? In friendships, like I was putting all the effort and they didn't do anything. And it's like, you didn't ask them first of all, and you mm. didn't need to be giving that much effort. You just have to be like, yeah. be you. Um, so I think resentment really develops when there's an imbalance, whereas bitterness to me seems like a complete outward blame of everything. Like, I feel like in codependency, you can get bitter because it's everyone else is doing something wrong. No one's seeing me. So I guess it could be personal, right? Like no one's actually seeing my struggle and all these other people are making me miserable. That's how I kind of perceive bitterness as opposed to resentment. Yeah, totally. I do think that, um, and for, for anybody who's listened to my episode from last week about prayer, and sort of have asking God, asking the creator for revelations and seeing some of this stuff. If 
you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, I'm like, I'm not bitter. I'm not, I don't have resentment, whatever. Good. That's, that's, that's awesome for you that it's not apparent. You might ask for some clarity on anything that maybe be, might be deep down, subconscious, sort of pushed down or numbed or hidden. I think that is one thing that I had to go through because I, for a long time, have done a lot of self-development work and thought that I was just a positive person. You know, I'm a positive person. And then when I, when like I would have fights with my husband or drink too much or get in a uh, funky anger situation, then all of these resentments, old, 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 deep resentments would come up that I sort of never actually processed. I just repressed or numbed or whatever. So in 2021, when I took a whole year off of drinking is when a lot of that stuff came up. And I'm not saying that you even have to drink to numb, like you can numb in lots of different ways. That was just my choice, the way that I sort of pushed it down. Um, I think a lot of women are aware that they're resentful. Maybe they have some shame around it, or maybe they just like live in a chronic state of, of resentment. I've, I've been all of those people. I've been someone who is not aware of it. I've been somebody who was living in it for months at a time and very aware of it and just hated it and didn't really know how to, how to release it. Um, and now I'm at a space where I don't, I'm not living every day as a resentful person and not, I think the most important thing is not creating new resentments, which is a huge deal for me. Like, you know, with my husband, like telling him what I actually need. And if I don't get it being like, well, he was not having a day where he could get that, you know, it's not like nobody's perfect kind of thing. Um, but I still do have some pretty old, deep resentments that I almost, well, I'm going to just have to get with you and go through the process. I feel like the past few, we've really gotten to know each other the past couple of months and holiday time and stuff like that. I wasn't quite ready to bring that up, but maybe in the next few months I will be and ready to work on that. What, what do you feel like the women that you work with, where are they on that spectrum? Like, are they just living in a chronic state of resentment that could be really affecting their health and emotions and all that? Or is it like repressed stuff that you have to help them dig up? So I find I was wasting a lot of time trying to show women that they were in resentment. And when I finally stopped doing that, I was able to help the people who were ready to release it. But I find a lot of women, when they come across a piece of my content or whatever that is poking at the fact that they have resentment, their immediate response is, yeah, but these people are terrible. My partner is terrible. Like, what am I supposed to do with them? And that's like the real crux of it is like when you want to stop blaming and start moving towards liberation, that's when I can help you. I can't, I, Mm -hmm. it's very hard to show someone that they need to release resentment until they're ready to do Mm -hmm. it. Um, I lived there as well. And then when they're ready, that's when I can actually do something like I can help. Right. Cause, um, I struggled to release, I could identify it for probably four or five years. I still struggled to release it for a good three or four years before I figured out 
how to let it go. Mm -hmm. Um, and when someone's ready to let it go, they're willing to do the work. They're willing to like put in the time and do the actions to release it. And they're not still making excuses and blaming and, and saying that it's still the other person's Mm -hmm. problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I get that. Okay. Well, that's good. That's, that's, that's interesting because it is something where you have to have a certain level of awareness. And I don't think, I mean, I honestly think that people could come to you and be like, still be in the state where it's like, they feel like it's the other person's fault and you still be able to walk them through that. Right. Just so long as they're aware that the resentment exists. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I would love to help anyone who wants, who genuinely wants help. But unfortunately I feel like, um, there, there's, I don't know anyone who's never experienced resentment. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's just a matter of getting to the point of, yeah, wanting to move forward. Right. Like, cause Mm -hmm. if, if you're stuck in it and you want that justified resentment to stay on that person, then like, that's, what's going to happen. Right. And if you're always focused on them, then you're always focused on them. It's the, it's the switching of the accountability to yourself. Yeah. One, one thing that I have been talking to a lot of different people about lately, um, as we walk into this new paradigm, we're in 2024 right now, I've got a few more years of this, of this like sort of bridge to the new paradigm. I think, and I think this already has been happening, but I think a lot of health, like physical health issues are actually going to be coming up for people that they're doing all the things they're supposed to be doing, like exercising, you know, eating correctly, uh, supplements or medicines or whatever all they're supposed to be doing. And if we have emotional issues, it's not going to show up necessarily like it used to just in like a mental health thing situation. It's going to show up physically. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that a lot more people are talking about where it's like, okay, you have gut issues, this gut, pancreas, gallbladder, like all that, that's an, that's an anger and resentment issue. Right. So like, no matter what you do, whether you go get chemotherapy or go the holistic route or do like whatever you do, if you don't heal the root cause, which is anger and resentment, it's going to keep coming back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've read resentment causes chronic stress in the body. And that is a breeding ground for cancer cells. Like Mm -hmm. it, it, it affects people more than they think it'll affect your, your, um, fatigue, you know, exhausted. It'll affect your libido. It'll affect your gut. It'll affect everything. And, and I don't, I don't think people have any idea that that's actually what's happening and not gluten or whatever. And not to say that all those other physical things don't make a difference as well. I just think that if you're going to look at cleaning up something, then you could start with something that's free and clean, clean up your, your emotions and, and triggers and, and the resentment that lives there. So one really interesting thing. Okay. I was listening to episode two of your podcast. Her, her podcast is called me first. I will link it in the show notes. So good. And it's so great. I mean, you can listen to it, whoever you are, but especially for women who are mothers, we have that mom guilt about like 
not being selfish and whatever. And I think, well, we might have to do a whole nother podcast episode on this, honestly, because there is a characteristic, a vibe of motherhood of being more selfless than you were when you weren't a mom. And if you're not full, you can't give your, your kiddos every anything, honestly, um, or you're giving them toxic, the toxic you or the empty you or the exhausted you or whatever. And that isn't, isn't the vibe for us. So I love the title of your podcast and just y'all have to listen because it's not the like F everybody else who cares. It's really becoming the best version of you so that you can be more giving to your family and to other people. Um, so that's that. But one interesting thing when I was listening to your episode two was I know that a lot of your revelations in doing this work and codependent codependency and all of that came from your, your relationship with your in-laws. And it was, I didn't know, I, I don't think you had told me about that. It was since you were 12 years old. That's just, that's just crazy. Um, yeah that's a long time. And that's definitely, it's very interesting. Cause I'm like, that was part of your life path. Like that was supposed yeah. to be that way. I, that's all contract. Yeah. yeah. Um, I had a similar story, not with my husband, but my first boyfriend, we started dating. Like I, he had just turned 14, like we were 13 and 14. Yeah. Um, and, and his parents were kind very kind to me, but I think it freaked them out that we were so serious so early on. And that was their firstborn. And I like, it was very, they, they were very strict with us. I never felt good enough and it wasn't their fault. They were just protecting their, their child. But like, I still have wounding from that. And we only, we dated for like five years, you know, and then broke up. And I, I don't think it was because of them. I think it was just, we were way too young. And I wanted to get married at 21 years old. And he was yeah. like, Oh my God, no. Um, <laughs> but like looking back, like you telling that story, I was like, Oh, this is a big issue with my self-worth and codependency. Like I felt not good enough, not because of him, but because of his parents, like I felt not good enough. And it was really sort of crazy because I was like a straight A student. We were like, I was a band nerd. I was like, so I wasn't like the head cheerleader drinking and partying and like ruining their child, you know, like right. I was a good kid. And I'm like, y'all couldn't have asked for a better girlfriend for your, your son, you know, like right. what, what's wrong. And it's so interesting. Cause like if the last time he and I talked a few years back, he was like, you know, my uh, parents always ask about you and they were like, she was such a good, you know, we're both married to other people now and whatever, but yeah. I was like, oh my God, they like, like to be. And he was yeah. like, yeah, like they would, you know, if we would have become adults and gotten married, they would have been obsessed with you. But it was just, we were so young and everything, but I like internalized that and made it about me. And like the past 20 years, I haven't felt good enough, no matter what, past boyfriends did, or my husband does, I don't feel good enough. So I don't have any issues with my current in-laws. Right. I have issues from that. Like what? 
Well, that's like such a crucial age too. And you're just dying for approval and to like know that whatever you're doing is okay. And so when you feel like someone's saying that you're not good enough, then that like that sticks with you because you're still, your brain's still developing. Like you're still becoming a person. Um, but like, interestingly, they did love you, right? Like how crazy is that, that in your, in your experience, you weren't receiving the approval and the love that you needed in that moment because you weren't giving it to yourself. And because of that, you have a story now that you keep telling yourself for 20 years. Mm -hmm. And, and he's like, they loved you. They, they would love that we got, it's just, it just is put such a display on how much we can twist something or experience something that wasn't their experience at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so nuts. So another thing too, that I'm learning about um, in Kabbalah, everybody who's in my world is like, okay, Alison needs to get off the Kabbalah <laughs> train because that's all she talks about. I will, I will, I'm just finishing Kabbalah three right now and I'm obsessed with it. So I talk about it all the time, but one story they talk about in there is the difference between giving and receiving and that really we should just be in a constant state of giving to others and then if we need to receive anything it needs to come from ourselves or the creator we should never expect to receive anything from another human being and obviously this is much easier said than done but once you start like really living that way or attempting, you know, awareness is the first step, right? In any situation. So once you start sort of living in that way, then no future resentments are created, right? Because the whole, like a, a resentment is born because you had an expectation of someone else or the way something was going to go, right? And it didn't meet your expectation. Is there another way resentments are born? Um, that, that's like a basic, yeah, that's what I would say. Or, you know, if someone else, like, let's say your partner just goes to the gym whenever they want, and you always have to schedule everything. That's like a jealousy version of resentment, but both, both ways. Yeah. 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 And that's sort of also not, not asking for what you need. Cause so maybe you're jealous right. of them getting time at the gym or alone time and you don't ask for that yourself, which is why you're jealous and then resentful and right. whatever. Right. Um, man, that's a really, that's a, something I've been learning the last year or so is I've learned to ask for that, but I have to learn to ask for it in a kind way and not a bitter way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. My problem is I will tell my husband that I need that. And then he'll tell me like, go for a run. But I also don't like to be, I don't like to be told what to do. Yeah. yeah. So he's always like, I don't like, you have a block of time. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm a little No, I'm the same way. Cause, <laughs> cause Cam will say, Hey, I'm going to take Caroline to go do this. Go play catch up in your office or whatever. And I, but then I feel bad. Like, why does that happen? Then I feel guilty. And I'm like, are you trying to make me feel guilty? And he's like, no, I'm trying to give you your time that you asked for. So what is, what is that about that? I'm like putting guilt on myself for him taking her to the playground for 45 minutes. 
Yeah. That's just you. That's just you guilting yourself. That's just you saying, oh, I should be doing this. And instead I'm doing something for myself. And that is literally societal patterns, societal, everything that you've internalized. Mm -hmm. I believe that's what's wrong with all women. Yeah. (laughs) They've internalized all of these societal expectations and, um, and all of these ancestral conditionings that we exist now from, but they're breaking all of us. Mm-hmm. They're burning us out. They're overwhelming us because if we just went against them, then you get called weird names, but then you're actually living in peace. But yeah. the trick is to like look behind the curtain of everything we're supposed to be doing and actually see ourselves in order to be self-aware enough to give ourselves what we need and stop guilting ourselves for actually doing that. A couple of weeks ago, Time is really funky for me right now. It was either one or two weeks ago in our boxer group. Or six. (laughs) Right? You were coaching one – somebody had brought a situation to the group, and you you commented. You stepped in and were doing the resentment coaching, Mm -hmm. which was great. I was like, thank you. That's, (laughs) like, way better than anything I was going to say. But you basically brought it – it was like a – it was a – relationship dynamic situation. Yeah. And you were, and then you asked that person, it doesn't matter why they did X, Y, Z or their intention or what, how it was worded or anything. What, how did it make you feel? And I think that's the whole point of this work is to be like, what did it trigger in you? Right. Because it's like, I don't remember if Abraham Hicks says this or something like, if you're walking down the street and some stranger was like, I hate you, you'd be like, cool, have a good day. But like, it wouldn't be a problem. But if right. your spouse said that to you, it would be a major issue, right? So it's always like what you know that that stranger saying that, like it has no foundational basis. Right. There's, they're like, how do you hate me? You don't even know me. But your spouse knows you and knows your ugly side and knows the parts of you that you probably hate. So it's always sort of like a reflection. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So like you just said, your spouse knows the parts of you that you hate. Mm -hmm. So if they point, it's like a thorn. I don't know if you read Michael Singer at all, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but his analogy of the thorn and you can build a life around the thorn and like protect the thorn in your hand all the time and just always be doing things that you're not going to hurt the thorn in your hand, or you can figure out how to take the thorn out. Mm-hmm. So like if someone, if someone says, I hate your blue hair, you're like, wait, I don't even have blue hair. Right. Mm-hmm. But if someone says something like you're being really resentful and I hate when you act like this and you don't like that about yourself, then it hurts. Mm-hmm. Right. So it, the trick is to stop looking at them sure they said a hurtful thing, but that's, that's their thing. That's, they're going through their own thing. They're hurting in some way that they felt the need to say that. And what you need to do is figure out why did that just hurt so much? And a lot of times it's 
it's something from our childhood. It's like an inner child wound that we, it's like the thorn that we've just been covering up. And when it gets poked like that, it really hurts. Mm -hmm. So I have a question for you. When I think this, this work has been not easy for me because Mm -hmm. I'm so hard on myself internally and, and, just so y'all know what she's talking about with Michael Singer, the book is called The Untethered Soul. So good. And he has a whole chapter where he describes that thorn. And instead of trying to protect yourself from it moving around and hurting, just take it out. So the taking out process is a constant, like ongoing every day, realizing, okay, this person said this, it hurt me. And we're not talking about like abusive relationships, right? That's right. a whole other thing. Um, but this is something where it's like you have a otherwise healthy relationship, but you're just like triggered by things. Um, and you probably can actually help people navigate even, even emotionally or, or physically abusive situations too. So don't think that, that Beth can't help you navigate that. But like, I'm just talking about regular healthy ish relationships. I have had such a problem always like the Taylor Swift song, anti-hero, like, hi, it's me. I'm the problem. It's me. That has been my hardest part of this is being like, how do I clean all this up knowing it's me Mm -hmm. without being too hard on myself? So if your best friend was going through the same thing, like if, if she felt like she was the problem and it was always her that needed to fix the thing to move forward, would you be critical of her? No. No. How would you approach her? Well, lovingly. And like, I can hold your hand through this. We could talk through this. You're doing a good job. I'm proud of you. That is exactly how you should be speaking to yourself because you can get so stuck being completely self-aware and really judgmental and critical of yourself. And the moment you switch that to self-compassion, you're going to quantum leap through it. Because yeah. you're you're judging yourself, you're keeping yourself constricted. And when you have love and compassion and understanding for your struggle, and you can see all of your flaws and be like, yeah, that that version of myself got me through that. That that version of myself got me through that. She rocked, but now I don't need that shadow anymore, and I can move forward with love and compassion. Then you can actually step through it. Yeah, I think also looking back at the last few months that I've been doing this kind of work. I wish that I would have like had you at the beginning almost to, to explain this. And sometimes when you're talking with other women who are going through the same type of work that helps normalize it and makes it a little easier than you just reading a book by yourself going through it, you know, but I wish I would have set the intention of like, Hey, this can be slow. Um, you don't, it doesn't have to be opening a can of worms in a painful way. It could be like, okay, this is a lot. I see. It's like, I always give this analogy. It's like going and getting your car washed and then you see all the dents and imperfections that are in it. Right. So it's almost like that where I'm like, okay, I've cleaned up a lot of stuff, but now I see like the really intense things that have been there a really long time. They've just been covered up. Mm -hmm. But I, my, I always brag about not being a perfectionist, but I'm not in the way that like things look or needing like the first two years of this podcast, I didn't edit anything. And like my 
my Instagram's not perfect and all that kind of stuff. Right. But my perfectionism comes in with like needing to fix things right away, like personal development wise, where it's like, okay, well, once I'm aware of something, it needs to be cleaned up. And then when it doesn't get cleaned up immediately, I'm really hard on myself. It's like that high achieving straight A person, like who I grew up as, you know? Um, yeah. And so I wish I would have, if you're doing this work and especially if you work with Beth, she can help you navigate this, but like set the intention of, okay. in in looking at my resentments through the lens of like, it's me, let me give myself compassion. Let me treat myself as if I'm walking somebody way younger through this, like a 14 year old through this. Mm -hmm let me not get overwhelmed with all the things I have to, to, to clean up. Like when I started Kabbalah work, Oh my, I mean like 10 days in, I had a little bit of a panic attack because I was like, like Cam saw it. I was like crying in the shower because I was so overwhelmed with all of my faults and needing to clean them up right away. And I'm like, yeah. I wish that I, and now it's better. And we've sort of like evened out and it's, it's good. But I wish that I would have been like, okay, God, show me the the number one thing I need to work on. And I'm just going to, everything else is okay. Yeah. For now. Like, it's not a big deal. Um, God, that is like, do you, do you have, have you had issues like that with yourself or working with other people? It's like, sometimes I wish, and it's like this with conscious parenting too. I'm like, why do I have to be so aware of all of these things? Like life is a lot easier for people who are not aware of these things. Ah. I, for real. I, I don't know if it's like a generator thing or maybe a little ADHD thing, but I intellectualize a lot. Like I'll read something, I'll learn something and be aware of it, but I have a hard time sometimes taking the action to do the nitty gritty work. So then I'll sit around and be aware of how terrible I am, but it's hard for me to get into the work. Um, I, I don't know if that's a generator thing or neurodivergence or whatever, but, um, in, I had with the resentment that I had, and I had it against several people. Like it wasn't just one group of people. It was a lot, most of the people in my life, really, like I was carrying resentment and it, it took, I just wanted to release it. Like I just wanted to let it go for the longest time and I couldn't figure it out. And it would bother me because I knew it was like me keeping myself anxious and depressed and stressed out. And I was like, I know it's me. Like, I know it's me, but I can't release it. So I totally relate to what you're saying because it takes, it's almost like you want instantaneous gratification, but it's like, you have to focus on the release for so long for it to be let go or to figure out what method helps you let it go. And again, I think it's the journey. A lot of times it actually heals you as yeah. opposed to just the awareness or just like pointing out the shadows and the challenges. It's, you have to want it. You have to like want it bad enough to go through the, the fire. Yeah. And I mean, that's definitely like the high achiever and perfectionist thing, like needing to clean it up right away. And yeah. I think I have to just start seeing it, which I've already done the past few weeks, which is good, but continue to see it as almost like, well, I'm a Sagittarius, so I love like 
travel and planning vacations and stuff. And sometimes planning the vacation is more fun than the actual trip itself or equal to or whatever. And it's like, okay, I have to view this sort of like that, where I'm going to look back on my life and be like, oh my gosh, those two years that it took me to get to this place, like sort of wish I could go back and live them again. Cause that was like a really fun, exciting, adventurous time. And I think I need to remember like the book, The Gap and the Gain. Have you read that book? It's a, no, it's an interesting book. So it's sort of just about being like, I'm not where I want to be yet, but look how far I've come and sort of writing down every day, be like, okay, Hey, I didn't have feelings of resentment today. I might tomorrow, but I didn't today. Um, or I spoke to myself a lot better today, or I caught myself before complaining or I did, you know, whatever. So I try to do that at night. Um, I'll sit and take like 10 minutes and just be like, what, what, in what ways did my soul evolution show up today that it hasn't in the past? And just looking at the the gain instead of not being all the way where I want to be yet. I also, when I was training for the triathlon last year, um, whenever I was having a really hard time, I would think of my future self thanking me mm-hmm. for like pushing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I knew that like, when I finished the race that I'd be thanking my past self so much for doing all that work so that I could get there. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good visualization to have too. Yeah. Um, I also think back to, you know, I'm like, sometimes I'm like, I wish that I could go have my 20 year old self learn these things. But at the same time, there's so many life experiences that I had in the past two decades that wouldn't have happened if, if I would have learned those things like beautiful and hard and that sort of make me who I am. So, um, in your, in episode two of your podcast, you also, and this will be my last question for you. You also talked about, um, your, at age 32 or 33, you found the boundaries book. Mm-hmm. What? Okay. So I know it's sort of different for everybody, but we go through our Saturn return usually twice in our life, um, between 27 and 33. And then again, like 56 or so. What do you, for me, that was like a crazy time during my Saturn and return. I went through a really bad breakup with the boyfriend I had before I met my husband. I met my husband at that time. And then I also I'm a six, two profile. So like around that time is also when you really, uh, lean into all the parts of you that you're meant to be. So I was my whole life acting as an extrovert. And around that time was when I moved from Austin to Dallas and basically like cut off all my social interactions. And it was great. It was like the best thing ever. And Beth has a two in her profile. So she knows, but I was very unconscious of that too, until my Saturn return. What other than starting to do this work, what all happened in your life during that time, during your Saturn, Saturn return? So at 20, we had our second baby who ended up having, um, like medical diagnoses and stuff. So that is when I, I think I described it in that episode. That was like my lowest, lowest point was like getting her diagnosis and then feeling so alone and misunderstood and all of that. And 
like high anxiety, deep depression, chronic stress, overwhelmed. I was also running um, my own business at the time, like a property management business. So the most depleted you could possibly think. I think I I did a check-in for one of my properties when my daughter was four days old. Oh my God. Yeah. Like I was so deep in it, in people pleasing and codependency and everything that, you know, figuring out to move here, like that whole process, I think I like, it was deep. It was like a dark, dark, dark time. So moving here and then going into this healing work and coaching and whatnot, I've never, I didn't know it was like 27 to 33. So that just kind of is very clear to me Mm -hmm. to just put me right in that path. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For, I think most people listening to this podcast are either in their thirties, forties beyond. Um, but you might be still going through or you're getting ready to enter your Saturn return or still going through it. For some people, I know it wasn't full of hardships. It was a little bit more just like a spiritual awakening and I love you and I'm grateful that you're having that experience. But for most of us, it's a little bit of a shit, shit show. (laughs) Um, so yeah. And and it's interesting too. Oh, that's something I need to do is probably have some women on who've gone through their second Saturn return oh, yeah. too, because I haven't talked to many people about that, but that's like one thing that's just been coming up, up for a lot of people. Um, I think that, I mean, we could do a whole other hour talking about all of these things, but instead of that, I would love to send people to your show. So Beth's show is called me first. I'm going to put the link below. You have three or four episodes up now and they're continuing every week. Yeah. Ideally I would like to do more than once a week. So hopefully eventually I can get to that point, um, with all my children and all of that. Yay. Um, and I'll put your Instagram handle on there too. I think that's the best way for people to get a hold of you. And then tell us about your freebie that you have going on right now. Okay. So I have a resentment release workshop that's at the link in my bio on Instagram, and it basically walks through your self-worth and getting that situated. It's like, it's like a combination of two of the parts of the actual 21 day workshop. So if, if though, if the, um, toolkit resonates with you, I highly recommend moving on to the workshop, but it's a really, really good starting point to just recenter and get to know yourself a little bit better and understand you are worthy no matter what you think. Cause that was such a point of contention for me as you can read in the toolkit, but, um, yeah, I would love y'all to check it out because I think it'll, it'll help you start moving in the right direction. I love it. And I will say anybody out there who is feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling unfulfilled, if you're feeling actual resentment or bitterness, then for sure, like, you already know that you can benefit from, from Beth's freebie and and working with her, but resentment sometimes is hidden deep, deep down. So being unfulfilled, feeling overwhelmed, um, burnt out, burnt out, 
um, having physical issues, feeling like there's just constantly chaos. Like our lives should be 80% pleasant and 20% hard. If you have a different ratio, then there then I'm serious. Like you resentment might not be at the top of your list for things to clean up, but that the constant subconscious negativity that is produced in your body because of past resentments or current resentments can cause chaos in your life. That's not attached to those resentments. That's just like, seems random, seems like so out there and random. But if you have, if, if it's not like 80% peaceful, then there's some stuff to clean up internally. And like true peace, not escapism, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. not like binging Netflix. I'm at peace binging Netflix. Yeah. Not avoidant because that yeah. was me for a really long time, like numbing or avoidant, um, yeah. denial, that kind of stuff, but like really peace. And I will tell you what, I'm not there yet at 80% peace, but I would say I'm like at 50, which is awesome. Way better than I was two years ago. And I'm doing this work to like excavate past resentments. And it's, and I'm enjoying it. It's not like too hard at this current moment. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. You can have some like really beautiful aha moments that where you're like, oh, I really am in control of my life Mm -hmm. and they didn't, they didn't have power over me. And that feels really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I do like, that's, that's one of my things too, is being a control freak. And the, the weird thing is, is I think that we are actually meant to have a lot more control, but it's over different things than you think. It's not necessarily that a lot of the external things, it's, it's all of the internal things. But then once you do that, all the external things you think you want start coming to you. Yeah. And it's so much easier to surrender to the stuff that you don't have control over. I had such a hard time surrendering to anything when I was still in it. Yeah. 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 Uh, I have loved this conversation with you. I can't wait for more episodes in your podcast. Is there anything else that you want to share with the listeners today? Um, I don't, I mean, there is a membership coming. I don't know when at this point, but I do want to have a, like a sounding board for people who are trying to work through this. I think that's a, that's a really, really good idea because sometimes as women, I think, first of all, sometimes we think that we're crazy or we're doing like going through these, these thoughts and these things alone. Um, and we're just only seeing Instagram happy pictures and stuff like that. So you're not like really hearing about all the behind the scenes that are going on with other people. And that makes it it just makes it less, less isolated. And I'm, you know, I'm a total introvert, but you need people to be around you to talk through these kind of things. And it's not that you have to have them 24 seven, but if you meet up like once a week or once a month or something like that, like accountability buddies to talk about this hard stuff, um, and the excavation process and whatever. Like, I just know that you chiming in with, in our boxer group has been so 
valuable. So incredibly oh. valuable. Oh, thank you. That's really nice. Like I told you when I did that first time and I was like, oh, I think I'm going to get in trouble now. Yeah. So I- <laughs> yeah. That's but, just old conditioning too. Yeah, totally. You're really, really good at what you do. This is definitely your calling. You guys oh, go you. give Beth a follow on Instagram, subscribe to her podcast, grab the freebie. I will put all those links in the show notes below. And thank, thank you, you so much for having thank, me. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for the work you're doing. See you, thank Beth. You. Bye. Thank you so very much for tuning in to another episode of You Do Woo. I know that you already have a very full life and that there are literally millions of podcasts that you could be listening to. So I'm super grateful to you for being a loyal listener. And I'm so grateful for you sharing your favorite episodes with friends and family members. That is how we are able to serve more people and raise the collective consciousness and really get the word out on a bunch of these fun spiritual topics that we're talking about. I would love to connect with you. Send me a DM on Instagram at you do woo, all one word. I'd love to hear how you loved today's episode and just a little bit about you. I can't wait to connect. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast. It's said that the more time you have to invest, the greater the return. Well, guess what? Kids have the most time if we learn to invest early. That's why I created the Cash Kid Podcast, where I teach kids and some adults financial skills they need to know on how to earn, save, and invest their money. Join me on this journey as we interview experts and explore topics that allow you to grow your money as kids. This podcast will help you become the money expert among your family and friends. Just remember, anyone can be a cash kid. You just have to learn how to become one. Get ready to grow your financial knowledge and your wallet with the Cash Kid Podcast.